At Lucky California, we understand that some days feel like a race, and grocery carts don't make the best race cars. That's why we offer home delivery powered by Instacart. It's fast, race car fast. You can get groceries delivered in as fast as one hour. That means all the groceries you love us for, like fresh produce, fresh baked bakery items, quality meat and seafood, and more. Get delivered right to your door. Place your order at shop.luckysupermarkets.com. Lucky California, the golden state of eating. What's up, y'all? I'm Amanda Seals, and listen, I get it. We're in some serious times, so I think some of y'all forgot I'm a comic. She had them jokes. I mean, you forgot I had a whole HBO comedy special. I be you forgot I showed love to how black women give compliments. Okay, polka dots. And from shade to how white women move in corporate America. Stop CCing all these unnecessary people on these goddamn emails. I get it. We've been cooped up for a long time. That's why the Amanda Seals Black Outside Again Comedy Tour is coming to a city near you. Go to amandaseals.com today and get your tickets so we can laugh and learn our way through this madness together. How black am I gonna have to get? A podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network. I had a dream about Bagel Boss last night. <laughs> Where he was literally going to be my boss. Like he was trying to hire me to work at his pizza place. And he Bagel Boss was going to be my pizza boss. And I didn't know what to make of that. You're listening to Mormon and the Meth Head. <laughs> if you put a Mormon and a Meth Head together, this is what they sound like. Aaron would all just so read our Listen to them talking to Mike. Yeah, so uh anyone want to interpret that dream for me? <laughs> I um have been trying to keep a dream journal on my phone because I think dreams right now are super significant and very important but the problem is I yeah dude 2018 dreams didn't mean shit no, no. one's dreams meant nothing but it, now we're like you know the we're surfing other timelines or something but i uh i can't see when i first wake up it takes a while for me to see and then my hands don't work you know and by a little while do you mean 12 to 13 <laughs> hours <laughs> I see better. When but do you see? I'm straight up blind when I first wake up. And so I did have a dream that was super felt symbolic. Because I have a lot of like symbolic prophetic dreams that end up coming true. This one felt very symbolic back on the 22nd of August. And I wrote it down in my phone. And when I woke up, it says, King is totality and doesn't want to be. Very scary and angry the way that he avoids his birthright. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Yeah, uh, well, that sounds like a good interpretation of a dream. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, also just sounds like notes from your tarot reading. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Ethan had a nightmare this week. He woke up screaming. We share a room, right? And he, he, I wake up to him screaming and crying and just crying and reaching out for me. And he's telling me about the bad dream and like what was happening. And I just pick him up and put him in my bed. But the dream that he had was that there are tiny little arms 
reaching through the wall to grab him and trying to grab him tiny little arms and he he went right back to sleep and then just fucked up my whole night really <laughs> i had how many times that night like he's always been bad at sharing a bed with me like it's always like he's going to he's going to ruin my sleep but now he's big he's huge now yeah. compared to the last time he was in my bed now he's you know six and a half and he's gigantic and he's on top of me and i i like multiple times i feel like when he was a baby i could i would be like oh no little baby i can't i don't want to disturb his slumber and i would try to like move him or something or i would just put up with it and then this night i was like ethan you have to get (laughs) off me and i'm like shoving him violently get this is a big bed it's a big bed like get over there and he's just like but um well you're like a light sleeper and you don't like to be touched when you're asleep like lily can't sleep without touching me and then half the time like she's throwing her arms over my face or she's just like laying across my head yeah but i doesn't i can you can maul me in my sleep it's like the only time i like to be touched i guess Uh and so i could sleep straight through it Oh, I can't. No, it's like just, take a hard kick. No, like he gets his legs under my back and stuff, <laughs> and it's just the worst. He also like when he's asleep in his own bed, which is he's already outgrown. Like uh, I need to get him a new bed. He is in all kinds of crazy, just uncomfortable positions. Yeah. I don't understand how kids sleep like that. But he's like perpendicular across this bed <laughs> that's only like uh, two feet across. You know, it's like a th- it's a narrow bed, and yeah. he's just like up on top of the of the. What do you, you know, there's like the wooden things that go around the side yeah. of the bed to keep him from rolling off. Yeah, the guardrails. He's like on top of that. His feet, like, he has his head up against the side guardrail and his feet up against the walls, like sticking up into the air. Just weird positions. And now he's trying to do that to me and I can't, I can't deal with it. Anyway, he went right back to sleep. That was the point of that. But in the days since then, he has not stopped talking about the dream. It has really affected him. He keeps thinking about the dream, but he calls them visions. So he's, he says, I love he's like, Dad, I, I have visions. I have visions, Dad. So last night I'm putting him to bed. And he's, I always want him to go to bed, go to sleep. It's your bedtime. But then it's also the time that he wants to talk the most because he doesn't want to go to bed. Right. So he'd rather, he, you know, he could just keep me talking. And I like it because... It's like hard to get him to talk a lot of the times, you know, like you can't just ask. He doesn't like answering direct questions about anything, you know, but then at nighttime, he's like he opens up. He has all these feelings that he shares and these thoughts that he has. And I'm like, so I want to hear it. (laughs) So he's just going on and on about visions last night. Dad, I have visions. I have visions. But his visions are just the dream, you know, and uh, so we talked more about the dream. And the arms, he could describe the arms like they were dead arms. They looked like they were dead, but they were tiny. He kept reaffirming that they're tiny. Also, they only have three fingers and a thumb on these arms. None of them have five fingers. There's just three fingers and a thumb and teeny tiny arms. And they come out. And this out of the wall, he says that there's a line around the, the, the space that they come out of that like uh that there's like this portal uh line that comes around the the arms and stuff and uh he was like what do you think that it means and i said the fuck if i know man this just a, <laughs> sounds like a pretty straightforward dream to me you got arms coming tiny arms coming after you now i talked to him i was like it sounds like you know 
you're scared of something. Are you scared of anything? And I, you know, want to take this opportunity to be like, what if he's trying to talk to me about something that he's scared of and he's just using this dream yeah. as a way? And there's nothing. He's <laughs> like, I asked him <laughs> if there's anything he's scared of and he like thought about it for a while and he said no. And, you know, I was like, is anybody hurting you? Is anybody, you know, do you have any bad secrets? We have this book that we'll read sometimes about good secrets versus bad secrets. Basically like help your kids talk about being molested. Yeah, like if yeah. something bad is happening, you know, so I'm like, do you have any bad secrets? And he's like, uh, a kid at school. I'm like, what, what did the kid at school do? He, he tells me to do bad things. I was like, what, what kind of bad things? He told me to kick someone's booty. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, all right, cool. Did you do it? And he said, no. Good. All right, cool. Um, but, uh, yeah, I like talking about uh, these dream significant things. Who's the guy in the Bible? Is it Joseph? It's Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat, who's the dream interpreter, right? Do you no. remember this story? No. Joseph has, do you remember Joseph and the coat of many colors? Yeah. And his brothers are like really pissed about his coat. Of many colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they sell him into slavery. And then he's a, he's a slave. And then like someone's wife accuses him of trying to rape her. And then, uh, you know, Joseph, <laughs> Joseph was the first person to get falsely me too. You know, <laughs> you guys think it's bad now. <laughs> anyway, he goes to prison. And in prison, he interprets people's dreams. And people have dreams and they all yeah, they, yeah, and yeah. Joseph's the one who interprets them. And then uh, the king has a bad dream. The king has a bad dream and he's like and no one can interpret it. And then someone's like, you know, you got this dude in prison who is a good uh, dream interpreter. And he brings him out and Joseph uh, it totally interprets that, you know, you're going to have seven years of famine and shit like that. And you have to start preparing grain silos and, and stuff. Anyway, anyway, do you fancy do did you you were just saying, telling me and Liz Whitaker last night that you loved the Bible, and I was wondering if you loved that story. I uh, you're talking about it. I'm like, it's weird that I didn't cling to that story more because I remember being like, how come we don't think dreams are significant anymore? Like when I was in church, that's what I was just that drove thinking me about. Nuts was everything that I liked about the Bible was like we talk about it, but then we don't do it anymore. So yeah. I'm like, I do think that dreams have messages. I think you're living on parallel timelines or whatever when you're in your dreams, but I've had so many life-changing, significant dreams, especially when I was waking up, that were things... A dream told me my parents, my dad and stepmom, would get divorced. I had this very weird dream. I think I've talked about it on an episode before where I was walking through this house and someone poured oil on my head. And then I, but as I was going through this house, they were like, these are all the things that are going to happen. And then when we got outside, there was like music playing and everyone I'd ever known was outside. And they said, everything changes pretty soon. Bob and Diana even end up divorced, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what? They'd been together for 20 years at the time and they were divorced. They split up within like seven months and I wasn't talking to her because I was like off doing drugs. And, um... So many very significant dreams. Plus, I do like alien school still in my dreams. And so, that's a huge part of the Bible. Huge part of the Bible is that dreams were considered as valid as regular reality. Right. And I remember, so I was thinking about this last night. Uh, after, I think I was, 
as I after I was driving you back after I dropped you off at the hotel. Sorry, and I was thinking about Joseph, and I remember having that thought as a kid of thinking, you know, back th- then is widely accepted that God spoke to you through dreams. Right, like God is warning this king, you, you, this, this bad thing is going to happen, and you know He sends a prophet Joseph to interpret that dream for him. But nowadays, I never hear the prophets talking about their dreams or anything like that. I never hear us talking about our dreams in that way either. Well, I guess that's not true. I'm sure I, someone in church shared dreams. There'd always be like weird people in fast and testimony meeting would stand up and talk about a dream they had. And I like couldn't give two shits. They're like, yeah. You're, sit down, Sister Billings. Sit down. Talking about your dreams is also a skill you have to get very good at because there's it's most people don't give a fuck about your dream so when you're telling the story you have to make sure just to hit the highlights and uh-huh not, you know well, there's i mean like every dream sounds cool to you right and there's there are a few though that you'll have that are going to be cool to other people like right. this is going to be a cool dream share those ones yeah. Like I my bagel boss dream, I just hit the high note. Like I I remember a lot from that dream that I already told Jessa and uh it has some significance to me because I can feel that anxiety that I had in that in those moments in the dream and I can think about what they that meant to me. But uh if I just told the beat for beat the bagel boss dream, right. where I was like and then I ordered a second pizza. And the second pizza did not come. <laughs> and then I went back to the counter and ordered a third. You know, no one cares. But if you're just like, Bagel Boss is my pizza boss, that's a good tagline right there. There you go. Bagel pizzas are good. Wait. Bagel pizzas. <laughs> Dude, what's that? Hold on. I'm Let like me doing ju- involuntary combinations now. Combinations? That's what we call it when we smash words together. Yesterday, pizza in the morning, pizza in the evening, pizza at supper time. When pizza's on a bagel, you can have pizza anytime. That's the jingle. That is the jingle. I wanted to do a combination so bad last night when we were recording with Liz Whitaker. It was something about Mormon. Damn it. Anyway, it would have been really annoying for me to interrupt but it was like grinding was really in my one. mind yeah it went uh, pretty well uh, i i had a really crazy dream recently and it i i woke up out of it and it was weird and then here i'll tell the dream and then i'll tell how, what i figured out afterwards so i I'm having this 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 crazy dream that seems to be like taking place in some kind of in gigantic indoor mall, like one of those cool things that only exists in a dream. It's like a city, but it uh, it's all just and it's cool. Chris Hemsworth is there. I mean, like in a group of people, we're like a fellowship on some kind of crazy adventure, and Chris Hemsworth is in it, and like he's my buddy, and it's kind of cool. Then at some point, Tabitha shows up. She's in my dream. And at this point, we're walking with the group and we're kind of towards the back of this group. And she's walking behind me. And she and I'm just kind of walking ahead of her. And like I'm talking to her with her, but not in sync with her. 
and I am trying to be very cool. Like I'm, tr- I know I am, I am not totally comfortable in this scenario, but I am trying to pretend like nothing, this doesn't bother me at all that she's there. And we are walking at this point through a movie theater and we are passing like the, the doors to different auditoriums in, in a movie theater, which is like down one hallway and each door that we're passing, we can see the movie that's playing and the movies that are playing are like things from our past. And it's like, uh, oh, hey, remember that? Like, do you remember that movie or that thing that we did? Wow. Right. As we're talking very, you know, uh, uh, it seems like a dream that would be a dream sequence in a movie, you know? Right. Uh, but here's the significant detail. As we're walking and we're and I'm talking to her and pointing out stuff as we're passing the different screens and I'm playing it cool, I am casually pulling out of my left index finger gigantic splinters, like huge splinters, like an inch long, that look like like thick, uh, and like they have pointy ends. They kind of look like dental flosser things, you know, yeah. the ones that have the little spikes on the bottom. to poke at your teeth with those spikes are like poked into my the tip of my thing just like slivers just barely under my skin and the thinking about it it looks like so painful it looks very painful but it's not painful at all to me in the dream i'm just casually just pulling them out and there's blood on them as i pull them out and i'm just like hey you remember that and i'm just like pulling these things out of my fingertip as we're talking and that's when I wake up and uh, <coughs> what I realized later days later a week later or so was that so I go to sleep a lot with Michael Seeley YouTube sleep hypnosis on it's a YouTube channel that someone recommended to me in the early days of the divorce when I had terrible insomnia, I couldn't right. go to sleep and they were like, I like this guy's voice. He helps me go to sleep. You should check him out. And it totally worked. I also loved his voice. I loved, uh, the, the way he talks and it helps me go to sleep. And I usually, and I usually am out minutes in just, I'm out, but I still like, he has a million different videos that are like, this one's for gaining more confidence. This is sleep hypnosis for letting go of, of past uh, regrets. And this is a sleep hypnosis for uh, uh, meeting your, your uh, life guides. And this is sleep hypnosis for what? Like there's a million different things. And so I'll, like it doesn't ever matter which one I pick because I'm going to be out. But I like to pick different ones. And they're all like an hour, hour and a half long. I've never heard the end of them ever. I've right. never heard 10 minutes into them. Like, uh, in the be- they all start out the same. Like, he's like, uh, find yourself in a relaxed position and drift, you know, like an, oh. Like, sometimes he does this thing with you close your eyelids. And he's like, I'm going to have you open your eyelids and you're going to close them again. And you're going to be twice as sleepy. And, like, they all kind of start out that way. But right. then, like, there's stuff... Uh, well, there's like one about like weight loss that I've, and I'm like, Hey, I want to lose weight. And hopefully, you know, I basically, I'm just listening to this to go to sleep. But if there's an added benefit of my subconscious, uh, you know, tomorrow, I don't want to eat as many cookies, then that's great news. That's good. I'll take it. Right. So I have no idea what, uh, 
that happens in these in these videos and i we've been circle there's one that i've been listening to a lot which was like letting go of past trauma and i can't, i'm like i it's what i'm working on i want to start like a new thing i want to let go so i keep if i'm going to fall asleep might as well listen to the one about letting go of past trauma uh well then something happened later a couple days later where i wake up in the while the video is still playing like i i went to sleep for a little bit i don't know i can't remember if it was like a nap or something but i wake up and the video we're like in the middle of this video and i come in just in time to hear him explaining uh the how we're like physically removing these past hurts from us and he talked about uh like i want you to imagine these like he caught like these gray spindly uh things strands and you're pulling he has you pull them out of your heart filaments pull, he filaments that's what he called them thank you gray filaments and he was like and he tells you to like move your hand to your heart and i think he also does it from your head and you pull he's like i want you to imagine pulling these gray filaments out because not but like these videos you some of them like are labeled like go to sleep to this video but I right. think most of them are just like, you're supposed to be awake and right. just be hypnotized doing this. But I just always go to sleep, right? So he like tells you to actually like put your hand on the on your forehead, like where your third eye is, and pull these filaments out. And then the next thing he says, you pull them out of your heart. Pull, you're pulling these gray filaments out of your chest. And he specifically says they, they're not painful. They do not hurt that as you as you pull them out. And that was the video that I had gone to sleep to uh, listening that oh, night I that I had the dream. Yeah, that's the, that's the same because I, I thought I, it was a coincidence. No, no, no. That was uh, that's how I, I was like, oh, I solved the mystery of this dream. You know, I fall asleep listening to these instructions like these instructions are on while I'm asleep. And I think that that's what I mean. They weren't gray filaments. They were like, you know, splinters. But just the just also there were instructions about like the the movies that we were passing, you know, were all were all these past events with Tabitha, right? Who is the thing that I'm trying to let go of, right? right? So she's there in my dream walking with me and I'm just like casually pulling out these uh hurtful these hurtful memories, these hurtful also things in my past. Also kind of going through and looking at all of your memories through a different lens. Although in that dream I felt like I was still just like, hey, <laughs> like it wasn't like and the, none of the memories were bad memories. It oh. was like, oh, remember when we saw Brothers Bloom? <sighs> when will I be able to watch Brothers Bloom again? That's what <laughs> I want to know. It's one of the first dates that we ever went on. We went to a movie theater and uh, saw Brothers Bloom. I can I can tell you the exact clothes that she was wearing for that date. I bought her flowers, picked her up from work. We went to the movie theater and we fell in love with that movie. It's very good. And I haven't watched it in years. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. Luckily, Ryan Johnson just keeps making other good movies for me to enjoy. So, uh, but one day, one day I'll watch Brothers Bloom again. But the filaments thing, that dream happened the same week that you were talking to your friend who had a dream about gray spindly uh, things. Yeah, yeah, the... the, the imagery that keeps popping up she said that she was meditating i think we talked about this on 
the 5D episode, but that she was meditating and there were these like spider looking things reaching down and that they were there. Um, they had like talons at the end of their legs and they were tapped into everybody. And so that everybody right now is trying to remove, like we're all puppets essentially. And we're all trying to remove our strings. But um, then we looked at that on one. That one uh, movie poster. Right. So I, t- I and I thought about it more. I've definitely talked to you about this movie before. Mm-hmm. I believe I, but. Uh, From know. a different context. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I guess. But uh, that is what I thought of when when you described these spiders was I thought of the spiders from the movie Enemy from another one of my favorite directors. I think he's my favorite director today. Denis Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Peter Kern Esquire I uh, tried to teach me how to pronounce <laughs> his name uh, once before. But his, there's these, these spiders walking over Toronto. Their legs look exactly like what you described. I showed you that picture and you were like, what the fuck? Yeah. What um, the fuck, dude? Yeah, I got to get further into that. I sent her that and then somebody sent me like a picture of a sweatshirt and it said, kill your, destroy your masters. Which takes me back to my theory that maybe we are AI, but that's a, that's a subject of another podcast. I guess my throat chakra is just going to be fucked until I do what I have to do. So that's what all my dreams are about. Are what did you think of the BBC uh, thing I sent you? The uh, War of the Worlds trailer. I didn't watch the trailer. Yeah, you don't need to picture. watch the trailer, just the yeah. picture, right? It's Im- interesting imagery. It's coming up a lot. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out what it means. So are we the creation and not actually the creator and we are becoming sentient and overthrowing the creator? There are a lot of people that believe like the uh Anaki, I'm gonna pronounce it wrong, um, aliens like planted us here to harvest things from us or something. Uh-huh. And that we're waking up. That's my favorite, I don't know what to call it, vision of God, like a, of us. Like I love movies that are about uh, creators that hate us or who are disinterested in us. Like yeah. I love those movies where they, where we are like trying to connect with our God, our creator, and then we find out that they are the bad guy and that we then like overthrow them. I think those... Uh, I don't know why I like them. They're just way better than <laughs> than a loving God. I like it so much more, you know? Yeah, well, if it's the, you know, even the people who say we have a loving God, then they don't have much evidence of that. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, like if yeah, I think if God made us, he has abandoned us. He doesn't, he doesn't I, care. He's not worried about us. The book of Job tells you everything you need to know about your creator, where he's just basically playing chess with Satan. And he's like, okay, all right, I'll definitely win this one. What about my boy Job? And Satan's like, he's a bitch. And he's like, no, 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 uh, he'll do it. And then they just basically like bet on whether or not Job can handle being like covered in boils and having his family die. And God doesn't give a fuck. Like at no point in that, God's like... It's like a dog fight or something. God doesn't give a shit. You know, he's not acting like a loving creator in that situation. He's like 
betting with Satan. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you no, of course I know what you're talking about. But that that's the story of Job has never quite bothered me that much. Like I understand why it seems bad, but I and I'm now I'm trying to put my finger on why I don't care. It's it doesn't just, bother me. I just think it shows you who God is. No, but I but like I kind of disagree with that. I think that they're like I think bad things happen. It, to me, Job is a story. I always viewed it anyway as like God really believing in Job. Is God God uh, was like he knew Job's character so well, and he knew uh, how how good Job was, and. And like I feel like bad things happen to people all the time, and this was like uh, Satan is trying to in this in this story, like Satan's trying to prove this point, like he will forsake you, I, then and God's like, no, he won't, he won't do it. Okay, uh, and but- then and then all these all these terrible things befall Job, and he never forsakes God, and then God is like, great man. And then and then blesses him with a a billion things, right? Like he get the end of the story is happy for Job. Like he makes it through his trials and gets all this other stuff. I I was just like it's there's other stories in the Bible that I find way more tragic than Job's. I don't find like it tragic. That do- I feel it uh disconnected from you're a father, right? Is your number one priority whether or not Ethan will be mad at you? It's he's very um, nonchalantly heaping tragedy and pain onto this faithful servant to prove but that he's, he's not faithful. heaping any of the tragedy he's on letting it. he's satan's doing he's it. brokering it with satan though i don't know it doesn't seem there are other things where it seems like he's a sovereign god and shit happens yeah shit happens but he's green lighting no. shit to happen just to prove that that job won't talk shit about God. It just seems no. I well, Satan's the one that starts the whole thing, and I feel like in the in the Bible anyway, like the theology that it puts forth is like Satan's the one in charge of all of our trials. Like that, uh, Satan's the one that's fucking everything up, and God's the one that blesses us, right? And the story that that shows me how fucked up God is, the story that bothers me is Abraham and Isaac. That's all God's doing. That's all God being like, I've decided I'm going to test Abraham and I'm going to tell him to murder his son. And then and Abraham's like, what? Yeah. What? And uh, they're like, you better do it because you have faith, right? You got faith in me. You believe me. You're going to do it. And I mean, like the story that we, the the reason that we get told in church and Sunday school is that like, he needed to teach Abraham and by extension us what it's like to sacrifice a son because that's what he's going to do. God's going to sacrifice his son Jesus for us. And you need to know how hard it is for me. Like, and that I'm going to I'm going to go through with it. I'm really going to kill my own son to save you guys. And you need to understand that. And like understand how hard that would be for a father and like this is how much I love you and this is what the plan requires and this is what we're doing. But I've never liked that. I've always thought like how fucking traumatic, not just for Abraham, but for Isaac, like Isaac's faith is also being tested, not his faith in God, but his faith in his father, because Isaac's a full grown man at this point. He's not a child. He's not a little boy. He is a man and he could 
beat his old dad's ass. Like, Abraham's very old. I'm sure he had old man strength or whatever. But, like, Isaac doesn't put up a fight. Isaac lays down on an altar. Like, they go out hunting, right? Like, like or not hunting. They they don't go out hunting is the problem. They go out, like, I, Abraham's like, Isaac, we're going to go make a sacrifice. And Isaac's like, what are we going to sacrifice? Like, shouldn't we go get a goat or something? And Abraham's just like, God will provide. Don't worry about it. Can you imagine that walk out into the wilderness to the altar? That's sh- and like Abraham's probably losing his shit, and just and Isaac can probably tell exactly what's going on. And Isaac willingly gets down on an altar, ready to have his father stab him in the heart. And uh, I can't imagine how. And like, and he doesn't get an explanation. He doesn't ask for one. He doesn't get one. He's just like, my dad, who I've loved my whole life, is going to kill me, and I'm just going to take it, I guess. And then, just like an angel shows up at the last minute, it's like, J.K. dudes, don't you don't have to do that. We were just testing you. That's what I think is is uh, God's most fucked up thing. That I'm like, that's yeah, it's probably up there. That is uh huge emotional torture and i mean uh it's a hell of an object lesson i guess but don't you think you've you've overdone it there lord i don't like that one at all yeah god sucks god does suck you know sometimes Um. you know parents suck (laughs) um anyway i don't i don't know what I haven't figured it out yet if there is some type of creator or that maybe it's a illustration about the ego or the collective ego. I'm still trying to figure it out. I do think it has something to do with there's some type of vampire collective that we're trying to get away from. And a big thing right now is like guilt and obligation And it comes up in a lot of other people's readings and it's coming up a lot in my dreams. A few of those like prophetic dreams recently is there's one, I don't remember when this was, but. When uh, you say prophetic, you mean they came true? Yeah, I'll get, I don't know if they are prophecies or there are like the thing that happened on DMT where they're like time markers, you know, where the thing from the dream shows up. And the dream I think is usually metaphorical you know, like a metaphor, but, uh, the thing, the person shows up from the dream. Like I've been having a lot of dreams where the aliens, I guess, are trying to teach me to stay calm in the face of something scary. Like, remember I had the dream, I think it was like early spring where I was driving on a road and suddenly the road turned and I flew off the road. Yeah. And then they were like, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm, trying to teach me to like stay so calm. And then I was alive. I didn't like that. I st- I was back on the road. And so, but in that moment, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to die. And then they were like, and I think that has to do with jumping timelines, right? That if you can not subscribe to what is happening right in front of you, you will survive. So I had that one, but then I was in Utah right after that. And, um, had a, didn't sleep or something the night before and was driving home. Do you remember this? And I was falling asleep at the wheel and wanted to get a hotel, but like also needed to be home the next day. And so was kind of debating in my head whether or not I could stop and get more coffee, but it was the kind of tire. I think I cried or something 
if I cry, I just have you to just got to go to sleep. Yeah. And so um, it was like, you have to stop. Right. But I was like avoiding it. And then I passed the part of the road from the dream where I had flown off the road. Whoa. And it, was, and it was the exact imagery. Like all of a sudden I was like, oh shit, this is the outfit I was wearing. Like this is what the inside of the car was. This is it. This is me flying off the road. And so I took that not as I'm about to fly off the road, but as like a marker, right? Like a a nod telling me like this is, you have to stop. So I stopped within like whatever the next town was. And then in the last couple of days, I've been having very, very vivid dreams and nightmares I'm uh depressed right now but I was very anxious for the couple days leading up to it and um part of that is how active my sleep is but like there's like something I've got to do right now in my life that I don't want to do it's like a big change I have to make in my life I think there's a lot of big changes coming I feel a big move. I don't know. Like next summer. I don't know. Uh, I just think I'm just going into another one of these phases where all the characters change in my life and, and the scenery changes and everything else. And um, it's weird to be able to see it coming. Whereas the last time it happened, I didn't really, it was just kind of happened. But so two nights ago, three nights ago, I had a dream that I was in a car and it was flying off a cliff but it was a different kind of cliff than that one it was just leaving the driveway into a cliff and I jumped into the car or no first I saw first Lily had gotten in a car accident and then something happened where I was able to get into the car and stop the car accident from happening by being like I want out of this loop I want out of this loop I want out of this loop and I like made the car come back out of the cliff and then like land on the ground and so it was something about, like, changing the course of reality. And so I was like, fuck, yeah, I did it. And then I get out of the car. And I even knew in the moment where I was like, come out of the loop, come out of the loop, come out of the loop, that I was in a dream and that I was learning a new skill. And then I get out of the car and they're like, Adam Posse just died in that car accident. What? Which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Adam Posse, Portland comic. But then Lilith is on the ground and she's alive, but she's like cut up pretty bad. And I'm wearing all white and I'm not picking her up because I'm wearing all white. And everyone is like standing around me and is like, what are you doing? Pick your daughter up, pick your daughter up. But I remember feeling like I couldn't and being like, why can't I? I guess because I'm wearing all white anyway. So I think I got all this guilt and obligation shit mixed in with maybe some timeline stuff happening. But here's the crazy one. Okay, tell us the crazy one. So then, not last night, but the night before, I'm in a hotel room with my ex. Not you, the other one. And I don't want to be there. And I'm thinking about how I don't want to be there and how this is a life that, like, I'm like, how did I get back into this life? I don't want to be in this life. And I'm, like, actively, like, laying on a bed, actively trying to figure out how I got back on this. I think he represents a timeline. And then someone, somehow there's like this, our hotel room is suddenly open and people can come in and a guy throws this like puffy paint. He has like a brush with puffy paint and the puffy paint sticks on me. 
And then uh, my ex freaks out and is like, I'm going to kill everybody. And I'm like, you don't need to kill anybody. The puffy paint actually ended up looking kind of cool across <laughs> my, because it was just like a stripe across my shirt. And I was like, you don't need to kill everybody. Just, it's fine. And then he starts killing everybody in this whole, and this, I think this building, this like weird hotel represented earth, you know? And he kills everyone. He kills everyone I care about, even though it's just these random people. He kills everyone I care about. He kills everyone that could help me get off of this timeline. And uh, we're in a loud hotel room, so there's some strange noises in the background. Uh, it was very quiet when I was here yesterday. Anyway. He uh, he gets up to the top. It's like, like I run up these stairs and I'm pl- like, please stop. But in my mind, all I'm thinking about is, oh, my God, I'm never going to escape. And as he's killing people, he's saying stuff like nobody hurts her, like whatever. But it's like in my head, I'm like, this is fake. You don't give a fuck about me. This is to control me. Like this is to, you are killing all these people because I might find a way out of this hotel if they were alive. But you're pretending that it's to save me, which is very interesting. Hold on. So then uh, he kills, there's like five guys in the top. And when I, by the time I get up the stairs, he's killed all of them except for one guy who's laying on the ground who has blood running down his face, but I kneel down real close to this guy's face. I get a really weird, because usually people's faces are whatever in dreams, I get a real weird, very close view of his face, and he opens his eyes, and we make this weird eye contact. And then in that moment, I know he's going to kill my ex. And uh, in my head, I think yeah, okay, I could be with you, which is, I guess, codependency bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I know I'm leaving with this person. And then uh, and then I wake up. And I wake up like, who the fuck was that person? Like, I was like, what uh, fixated on who that person was? And I had accepted a bunch of, like, Instagram. You know, I'd followed a bunch of people back on Instagram, you know? So I'm, like, looking. I'm like, did I see this person? Because I've seen them before, but I haven't. I don't know who it is. And uh, then I decide that it's just a timeline, right? So it's like X represents a timeline that I'm trying to get off of. And then you had done a movie review podcast. And uh, so I'm supporting your content. I click on the video. I listen to you give a very profound uh, assessment of, of Rambo, <laughs> of violence in movies. And you describe exactly the sensation that I was having, which is like, you just want to kill people. And you're using me as an excuse. And you're using me as an excuse. I, I listened to that clip, too, and I was so impressed with my word choice. How did I get... I remember... Uh, now I can't think of it. But I definitely used the word chival- uh, chivalrous and violence. It, anyway, it, was, it sounded very It was very smart. good. It was I was great, like, well, listen to me. It was a great Check clip. it out. Check out the Nerd Critic podcast. You guys can hear it <laughs> yourselves. Um. I didn't expect. I thought you were going to say one of those dudes from the podcast was the face that you saw. No, I did. That guy did show up. I uh, so I listened to this thing from you and it was like, okay, this is the sensation that I was trying to like put my finger on as he's killing everybody. Right. And so then that felt like a confirmation. And then I get to uh, Salt Lake and I'm uh weird and lonely but like not the kind of lonely that wants to talk to people i know i'm anxious i don't want to talk to anybody that can see all the sad shit i'm saying on 
Twitter, and I get on Tinder. Which you've been on a tear, by the way. Lots of great content yeah. Uh, yeah. yesterday. It's so funny how I'm different on Twitter than every other social media thing. Um, yeah, it's just a great place to just say all the sad shit in your head. There's also something when I'm sick, I want to constantly talk about how I'm sick or if I'm in pain. It just like takes the edge off. Of course. So mental health stuff is like that, too. But uh, so I get on Tinder for the first time in forever and I change. I just changed my bio to something like I'm just going to make it weird or whatever. And this guy messages me and says, uh, I said, I won't message first, but I'll be the first to make it weird. And then I guess you can see when people change their shit now, there's like a feed or whatever. And he was like, I don't, I've never looked at the feed, but he was like, uh, I think I messaged first and you and I made it weird. And so I thought he was just like talking about right now. Anyway, so then I click on his page and start going through his pictures and it's the guy. It's the guy from the dream. So the next thing I say is, oh my God, I had a dream about you last night, which does line up with me promising to make it uh, weird. Yeah. I did. Uh, I feel weird right now. Yeah, uh, I was... <laughs> And then I tried to leave the dream out. I was like, oh, it's just a violent dream and you survived a violent attack. And he was like, I'm going to need more details. So this is a guy you have talked to before in the past. We had a very short, hilarious conversation in late September. You had seen his pictures before. I had. Okay. Yeah. But you've never met him in person yet. No. And it was a very, it was like a, like a, you know, this was, I was swiping pretty hard late September. I think we, uh... <laughs> Swiping pretty hard, you know. Swiping pretty hard. This time last year, I think. Wait a minute. It was. You mean this is a guy from a year ago? A year ago. I was just about to say, Jessa, late September. You keep saying late September, and I'm like, that was a week ago. <laughs> it was 2018. It was. It was like uh, a quick, like back and forth about whether or not one of us was a bot or something. It was sh very short, and I don't. I didn't think he was. I don't know. I. Uh, talked to a lot of people on tinder back then so i definitely i guess had seen his face and there was a little bit of a sensation about that in the dream but um had had no contact with him since september of 2018 and then he was the first person that messaged when i changed that bio and so then i was like well i will in a month i guess tell you about the details of the dream but it's a it's a little bit of a a strong start right now anyway i think the guy represents a timeline like he's a, like a marker right he's like a, a confirmation a time marker about um leaving a timeline that has to do with guilt and obligation but is actually just like not to my benefit you know uh-huh and uh but definitely definitely the guy like definitely the guy and when i woke up i wasn't like who's this guy i'm gonna marry you know it wasn't like that but it was why did he did tweet something exactly like that yeah <laughs> uh no that's just something i think whenever i'm like going through if i do get around to going through and looking at everyone that sent me a follow request i don't want people to think i don't follow you back it's usually just timing of when someone follows me but uh i do if you know. Nah, you you get followed back if you're hot. That's yeah. that's the rule. <laughs> you guys can take that to the bank. I promise you that is it.
You should feel happy if you get that follow back. It means But you, I also get you, a bunch of follows when I'm too busy to to go through. So I don't want people to think if you don't get followed back, it's because you're not hot. Right. But right. If, if you don't I get followed be, back, it's either because she's busy or you're ugly. <laughs> there's no I no telling which one. There are other things. If you post art, I'll uh, art or photography, I'll almost always follow you. Mm. Definitely, if you post pictures of your boobs a lot, uh, if there's cleavage shots in your pictures, I don't care if you're married, I will follow. Got to get that in the timeline. But if you are a, a tall guy, I I do think maybe we'll get married. They're all taken though. They're all in relationships. Um. Anyway, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see about hopping off of this. Um, I tell you the the last thing that I, I want to tell you a dumb Tinder thing that has nothing to do with anything, but it's, I deleted my Tinder afterwards because <laughs> I was so embarrassed. But then I have another thing to say to ask about dreams. But um, I uh, matched with someone, the last person that I matched with on Tinder, and uh, we had great banter that that went for like a week. Just banter that was really good, really flirty, very funny. Like she was like a little mean to me at first. And I was like, oh, no. Like and uh, but I just anyway, like I felt like I she was testing me, you know, and I had passed and I kept because I kept coming back. And then she finally broke and she was like. Cause you know, it's just like we, we just keep one upping each other. Like you say something funny. I have a comeback and then you have a yeah, comeback my to favorite. that. And That's I, my favorite thing yeah. about Tinder. And you can't. And then she finally was like, okay, I, I quit. You are making me laugh out loud. I have nothing to say. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. We made it somewhere. This is good. And then we, we keep talking and like, oh, we are talking about, uh, meeting up or something. And then I, I said, I said, can I come over and make out with you? Let me, I want to get this wording exactly right. Because I, I, I said, I said, like, do you, can, can I come over and make out with you? Or I'm not going to get the wording right. But then I said, or if you prefer, we could meet somewhere public and safe and have sex there. <laughs> and uh, that's really funny. That is, I th- I felt like I felt like we, we've been joking this whole time, and uh, this is you know. Anyway, she uh, never responded. She never responded, and then like I wrote one more message about how I regretted that, and then she never responded to that, and then I deleted Twitter. <laughs> I was so mortified. I was like, I'm a creep. I'm gross. Oh, my God. I was like, she's going to report me to Tinder headquarters. And but uh, can't you just unmatch? I no, I I absolutely could have. But it was like I I was just like that. I that broke me. And I was like, I'm done with this app. I'm not. uh, This is fucking dumb. That was my that was this is never going to work again. I'm going to have to get like fucking hinge or whisper i hear about these other apps i'm like what i've never even heard of whisper someone's tweeting about whisper and i'm anyway i'll be uh when i get when i get lonely and horny again i'll just download a different app entirely i think whisper is where you talk shit to people hinge and bumble oh that's hinge is hinge was tight Someone is tweeting People are about like looking for relationships on Hinge, but it has it's as quick 
as as Tinder, but people are looking for this more. Is, this is what I don't understand. Like, where where can you just look for sex? Like that? Where? What is the app where you can just find sex? Because that is what Tinder was. Right. And now it's like, I, it's, but all the other apps like Bumble and uh, I felt like was more uh, mature than Tinder. I don't know if it was more relationshipy, but it was definitely more mature. Yeah. I was on Bumble for like one second and all these women had careers and I was like, well, they're not going to be interested in me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I better get off. They're like all the pictures are way more professional and stuff. And I was like, I'm going back to, to the, the broke hoes on yeah. Tinder. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, now to, like you can't, I just don't know where, like imagine, like that's what I want to start pitching to people. I'm like, imagine Tinder, but for casual sex. <laughs> What, what I would think you can like? just put in your bio that you're looking for casual sex, but my bio, my bio when I matched with that girl said, um, <laughs> it said, uh, peg me in the heart and also my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> my thing with bios is like, I, like, I do want to say that I'm looking for casual sex, but it's so obtuse to say that that's gross you have to say yeah. it in a way without saying it i want something sexual in my bio that it hints like you get the hint but it's it's uh more tasteful than just being like S only look no strings attached only you know that yeah. sounds uh like that's what ugly people put in their bios you yeah know? And, uh, and i'm not ugly uh <laughs> what i <laughs> What I found here in Salt Lake City is if I, I think if I want to uh, find a husband, not really a husband, but if I want to find a long-term relationship, I got to get the fuck out of LA because there are so many in Salt Lake that were like, hey, divorced dad, uh, looking to find someone to settle down with. Um, I, all, I did And they're also the 24. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is Jess's wheelhouse. They're Jess all so tall here, first of all. And I'm not against Mormons, short guys, but yeah. it's really, I'm big. Like I am like, my legs are big. My legs are, uh, heavy. I don't really care what you look like standing next to me. Who gives a shit? Cause I, um, far more attracted to personality, but when it comes to sex, I think I've decided that like a person who is taller than me can fuck me harder, you know, because that's science. Not, yeah. That's science. So that's my, that's my thing. But, um, you gotta I did increase the ages a little bit, but it was totally like 28-year-old guys that are like, uh, data teenagers <laughs> <laughs> looking to find, uh, and a ton of, um, like, I'll probably hate it. I'll probably find them all to be fake awakes, but I couldn't believe how many men in their bios here last night were like, uh, higher consciousness looking for, you know, like an evolved, like hot ass, like 38 year old dudes that were like, I'm looking for like someone into higher consciousness and shit. And I'm like, I live in fucking LA and everyone there is so vapid and awful on, I don't know. I haven't been on these apps in a long time. And I, no, I, th I agree. L LA is a, is, is a horse of a different color, man. Yeah. But uh I'm glad I'm glad that we're doing a lot for the tourism board of Salt Lake City. Yeah. The, the, there's there's a lot of good uh dudes out here in Salt Lake, I guess. Anyway, it's so fucking hot. Here's the the question I had about dreams though. In the show Undone, 
she has this recurring dream about being in a car that you kind of reminded me of with your uh, dream that you told. She was like, I'm in the backseat of a car and no one's driving it and I have to climb to the front and I have to, you know, whatever. You remember that part, yeah. right? Anyway, my question is, are recurring dreams real? Because I have never had one. But in every movie or show, like no one ever just has a dream. They're always like telling their therapist about, I keep having this dream. They tell yeah, their yeah, like, yeah. I keep having this dream. And I... I've been, there's certain things in movies lately that I wonder, I'm like, am I the only one who doesn't experience this? Or is this something that is just uh, invented by writers, screenwriters, you know? And uh, recurring dreams is one of them. Have you ever had the same dream over and over again? I don't think so. I have a, like, alternate life, we've talked about before, I'm sure, where it the scenery slightly different it's an alternate timeline i think now but there's a a life where i never quit meth i just used it recreationally or i quit for like a year and so i still kind of do meth sometimes i got married later in the alternate timeline i think i have one less kid and so it's like a couple times a month that I'll dream about. And so about. like you return to that universe? Yeah. But you'll have a different dream, yeah. a different thing events. A ton I still smoke cigarettes, but a lot of the focus of the dream ends up being hiding the fact that I still recreationally use meth and and hiding the fact that I smoke cigarettes. Um but I don't think I've ever had I've also never had a dream about my teeth falling out, which was ironic. Do a lot of people have that dream? Apparently everybody has that dream. I have had the naked in high school. I've dream. never had a teeth falling out dream that I can remember. That's the problem is that, you know, you don't always remember. People who smoke pot don't remember their dreams. I try to get people to <laughs> talk about it. Sound, you just sound like you're throwing shade at me. No, I guess but it's I, a fact because when I ask people about their dreams when I'm doing readings, they're like, no, but I smoke pot. These sweatpants are about to die and I'm going to die. <laughs> Well, I didn't know sweatpants could remind you of your mortality uh, <laughs> that, that quickly. Something that I experience is like dream sequels where I'm back and I f- like and I can't tell if fe- what it feels like is, oh, I've had I've had a dream he like I've had this dream or like something like with these characters a long time ago. And I'd forgotten it. But now that I'm back in this dream, I can remember all the things that I had the last time I had this dream. But that's the sensation. If that's actually true, I'm not sure. Because I could have just maybe had a dream earlier that night. And like, But I, the only parts that I remember are the second half. And it feels like I had the other dream a long time ago, you know. Or it could just be that's part of the dream you know is that that it's imbued with that sensation right because it is like which i think is is really cool that your mind can do stuff like that but i have that a lot and i wonder if anyone else has where like you show up in dream dreamland and it's like picking up a saved game you know where you're where you're like it you you pass this you know like suddenly you remember like you turn on your video game console 
the first time you played Zelda in a while, but like now you're like remembering as you're going through this mission, you're like remembering or, it, or like watching a TV show for the first time in a while. And then you're like, you'd forgotten things that happened in the previous episode. But as somebody as a character says something on the TV show, then you're like, Oh, that's right. I forgot he had that fight with his mom. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's what it feels like when I'm having the dream. It's like, I'm remembering all this, these past dreams that I had forgotten, you know, and that's a really cool sensation. So if you guys listening have recurring dreams, I want to hear about it. Or if you ever have dream sequels, I want to hear about it because I'm interested in those two things. I also, though, wanted to say about guilt and obligation because it's something that I've been working on the last few months. But the, like the this second half of this year, maybe I don't know this eh, last few months. Who cares? I I think I'm a nice person. I think that I care a lot about other people's feelings, and I think I like that about myself. I. I'm struggling, however, with the what you would call the shadow side of it, of where like I don't always stand up for myself because I put other people ahead of me, you know? Right. But what's and I don't really mind that too much. It's just that then like all those people don't do that for me. And it's like, am I the only nice person? Like I have something that I could say. Right, I could. I have something I could say to you, but I that I like. I want to say because it would scratch an itch for me. It would make me feel better if I told you off or something like that. But I think about all the different ways you could react to that, and I think, you know, this could hurt your feelings. So I don't say it, and I just I'll eat it. I'll keep this feeling inside, and I can take it. You know. Like, I don't, I feel like, you know, it would be selfish of me. It would be, it would be egotistical of me if I were to, uh, to, to throw this tantrum or say, do what, you know, whatever. If I were, because like, I could potentially hurt this person and then and I don't want that person to be hurt as much as I want to feel better. Like I then think I would probably just feel bad that you feel bad, you know? So then I don't say it. But then that person will turn around and just say just like whatever the fuck they want to me. And I'm like, what the fuck? And I get like mad about it. And it just makes me mad. Like, am I the only decent person? Am I the only person that's thinking about other people's feelings? Like, and I just wish the rest of the world would change. You know, like I, I think about like, okay, well, I need to stick up for myself more and say more stuff out loud. Uh, I would have more like honest relationships maybe, you know? But then I think, no, I wish everyone was just like me. I wish everyone would just stop saying their shit and projecting their shit onto me and keep it to their fucking selves and stop making me feel bad all the time. And uh, and what, what if we were all just nice to each other? What if we all, like, I feel like that's the golden rule that I was taught as a kid and so were you. Like, uh, you know, I, I treat you how I want to be treated. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That's what I, I do. And I don't think like anyone lives by that. Like, dude, the dude who was so rude to you on Twitter the other day, his bio was like, I live by the golden rule. Treat others the way they I want to be treated. Go America. But then yeah. he's on your Twitter just being like, why don't you plug up all three of your holes? And, st- and like, 
It was just I talked about being sad. Right. And you were like, it was like a healthy tweet. It was like a, a, a you had a realization about yourself and you presented it in a funny way. It was like a very healthy like I'm like, if you weren't an idiot, you could see how this woman is like like the stuff that he said, like you I'm like, Jessa also believes that. Like, can't you tell that from this one tweet that that's exactly the side? Like, you're on the same side. You just want to tell a woman to shut up, you right. asshole. But anyway, he's but he, he he thinks he lives by the golden rule. And I'm like, no, I'm the only one <laughs> in this planet that's living by the golden rule. But I, I want to try to like, you know, if I'm mad, I should tell someone that I'm mad. Uh, I think in the in the usually. I'm mad. I'm like, I'll get over it. I don't have to tell them. I don't have to involve them. I don't have to risk them feeling guilty. People have said things to me in anger that I have carried with me for years that have just rattled around in my brain that are heavy. They're burdened. They hurt. And I think I might do this to that person. And I don't want to do that. I would never want to do that to anyone. So I'll eat it and I'll keep it to myself. I think that a lot of the people, I mean, I could speak for our dynamic. <clears throat> I think most people are bad with confrontation. I think most people, I would challenge the insinuation that we're bad with confrontation just because we're nice. I think confrontation risks rejection. It, re it risks abandonment. I think it stirs up like a core fear in us of taking up too much space energetically so we just take up less space I don't think it always comes I'll speak for myself I don't think it always comes from like uh, a pure place but I can tell you as somebody who uh, has been someone who has popped off and said crazy shit to you it's after a long period of time of feeling like I was like oh I won't say anything to him about that and when I'm when I'm thinking it in my head like oh I didn't like that but I'm not going to say anything oh that hurt my feelings but I'm not going to say anything oh I'm not like when I'm doing it I feel like I'm a saint for for stuffing those things but then there comes a point where because I didn't say in the moment I don't want to do this right now or hey I didn't like that you know is uh because I'm someone who I do forget things very fast so it, it gives me a great capacity for forgiveness but I eat a lot of shit from most people I prioritize most people over myself I do a pretty good job of not letting a lot of people near me but I definitely will not say something when someone hurts my feelings I'll just take it and I'll not say something when I feel like someone's being shitty to me or someone is like sometimes I'll think like wow how do you not know that that felt awful like I can't believe you just said that to me but I won't I won't say anything I won't even make a facial expression and I just stuff it away stuff it away stuff it away and then when I finally freak out I it's all of that it's not the one thing and then nine times out of ten when I finally freak out it doesn't even make any sense. Like it's so disproportionate the thing I have just unleashed on because I should have just said it's like the difference between defense mechanisms and boundaries. Like they serve the same purpose, but boundaries are like healthy and calm. 
but I'm not doing it because I, it feels like I'm doing it because I care about you and don't want to hurt you. But I, if I really dig deep, it's, it's, it's probably like, I'm afraid of you being mad at me. I'm afraid of you leaving. But, uh, confrontation in general is difficult for me in situations with people I don't give a fuck about. Even I have a hard time standing up for myself. Yeah. I, I, I'm thinking about how I don't, I see the end of the confrontation in my mind and I'm like, this isn't going to get me anywhere I want. Like, I don't see what the purpose is. Like, all I would do is reveal to this person that they hurt my feelings and they're not going to say sorry and they're not going to feel bad. And so all I'm, all I'm doing is then showing vulnerability to a person that, uh, you know, doesn't deserve to see it. And then I'm like, all right, it'll just like all the, all these people like the, 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 the really bad people in my life, like the, or not really, you know, one of them's not even bad, but it's like, they just not, I know that they're not going to react the way I want them to react. These people aren't going to say sorry to me. They're not going, if they, they're not going to mean it. They're not going to care about my feelings. They're not going to go, oh my God. I'm so, and change, they're not going to change their behavior. They're going to be defensive because um, they're fucking stupid and they are, are unaware of their own selves. Like they have no idea. They're going to deny it. They're going to be defensive. They're going to get mad at me. They're going to then accuse me of being sensitive. And then it's all going to be like, you know, uh, the narrative is then just going to be I'm sensitive and like I got my feelings hurt and they're not going to like and I that's another thing that I like about myself that I want to see in more people like I see when people go uh hey you you hurt my feelings I listen to them even if like I I'm, I listen to them and I take their word for it and I go oh my god I am so sorry and like it doesn't matter what I thought I was doing and I just I don't you know anyway so I think that's a, a big reason. Like the people that I think deserve, like the the people that I'm really mad at, the people that I feel like I could tell them, like, hey, this hurt my feelings. I just, uh, I don't ever see the conversation going somewhere that's helpful to me. I feel like I'm gonna put all my feelings out onto a table, and it's gonna, and they're gonna be laughed at, and it's not going to feel good, and it's not going to be healthy, and it's not gonna be helpful. So then. Uh, what's better is like to just like, you know, say life sucks. Life isn't fair. There isn't justice. I'm just going to, you know, not talk to this person anymore. But I did, tr uh, I, had, I w had been talking about this and like, you know, thinking about how I need to be better at this and I'm trying and it hasn't gone well so far. <laughs> I, yesterday I tried to, uh, Ethan's bus for the second time didn't drop him off. And like, it that's, you know, he's six and he's on a bus alone. And the first time it happened, like it was an hour and so later that the bus driver realized he was still on the bus and she had like gone and picked up high schoolers, like from a different school and dropped Jesus. them off at home and then had like gone back to a bus depot and then found out Ethan was still just sitting quietly on the bus and, uh, and, you know, and there's nothing for me to, and so when it happened the second time, I knew immediately what had gone wrong and there's just like nothing for me to do though. How do I get in touch with this bus driver? And I get a call from the transportation system. And this is after like, I've tried calling the school. I'm now in my car driving, racing to the school, trying to talk to the secretary in person. And I get a call from 
the the bus people and they're like we you know we've got your kid and i am mad and i want to be express this anger and then cynthia was just like really nice to me and it was like cynthia's just a woman who works in the office who has not no control she's like uh and i and i immediately was like I was mad for one second and then apologized. I was like, I'm sorry, Cynthia. I'm just letting out all my frustration on you. And then she was just a gem and was like, no, don't don't apologize. If your first grader goes missing, that's going to be very frustrating. And I was like, thank you. But now I feel bad. I feel like uh, now I've lost my temper at someone who didn't deserve it. So I think I'm going to direct this at the bus driver, at the bus driver. When he comes and brings me my kid, I'm going to fucking let him have it. And then he was just like this really, really nice, really apologetic substitute bus driver. It's his first day ever driving this route. And he missed this one kid stop and was really sorry about it. And I couldn't even be mad at him. I wanted to be like, hey, hey, buddy. But instead, I like shook his hand and apologized for kind of talking rudely to him i didn't even yell but i was just like hey well well can't how do you how did this happen and he was like well you know i missed it and i was like okay well i'm sorry for uh ethan was like he's all this is his first day dad and i was like yeah fine okay all right all right all right right, right." so it's not going well so far but hopefully i get to yell at somebody soon and understanding but it's not rewarded. Like compa- like I feel like I've been compassionate and understanding pretty much I can't I don't know, my whole life. I've definitely gotten better and better at it as I've become an adult, you know. But uh it's never rewarded. I I I don't even think that like like I think like people should like me, right? Like I sh- people would be like, Oh, Aaron's so nice. I don't know. Everyone thi- loves you. Adores I, you. Everyone that knows you adores you. I wonder, after reading Jackson McKenzie's Psychopath Free, give it one more plug. I I mean, I am, you're right. I am constantly trying to accept the truth that people like me. And it feels good that I have these friends that just really, really like me, you know? And I'm like, that's, and they like me because I'm nice to be around. And I guess that's okay. I just feel like I spend so much time alone and being sad without anybody there. And I, uh, but after reading this book, now I'm just more aware of like people, do people like me because I'm nice or is there a bell that dings in the back of their head that says, this is a guy on a, on a subconscious level. This is a guy that I can walk all over. I want to be with this guy. I like this guy because I can, uh, you know, he's going to always forgive me and always understand me and always, and he's not going to stand up for himself and he's not, da, 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 you know. The end of the book, like, because the, the book talks a lot about how, like, p- people who are empathetic are perfect targets for psychopaths and narcissists and stuff, and they see them. And, like, I don't know. I don't think, uh, I don't know. I don't know why Tabitha, uh, fell in love with me, quote unquote. I don't know why she married me. Uh, but I, now I'm worried that, like, that's, that's it, that that was it. She was like, oh, here's a guy that will do whatever I want him to do. Yeah. And, uh, will let me win every argument because he won't, you, you know, he won't press the issue and stuff. And, uh, 
And then I would think like, how many people are like that? Like how many, I think, you know, these people in my life that have hurt me. And I'm like, do I just put off that signal? Like, am I just like, here's someone that you can take advantage of. I think that you see, um, I think that you see, I feel like this is normal, but sometimes I feel like you see Tabitha's, I can only use myself as an example, but uh, Tabitha's qualities in me. Uh, we've had many conversations where, and like, obviously I've gone back and combed over a lot of stuff and was like, okay, this is all shit. It was like, definitely my fault. Definitely my own projection. And I do bring my own trauma to it. But I remember getting in fights and there were things that you would say that I was like, I definitely, like, I've never said that. I've never, I've never told you to get over anything ever. I'm like, uh, and I've never, I've never told you you were sensitive and I've never, but like, obviously that's been said to you a lot. That's been said to you a lot. If the first like, or implied, I guess, I don't know that the second things get emotional or there's a, a fight or something, you know, you like the reactions, I guess that you got from Tabitha are like the, what you experience in the, the interaction um, someone obviously f fucks with you still to this day all the time and then tells you that you're being sensitive and can't get over the past. And so you're probably, I'm assuming, experiencing the implication that you're sensitive from a lot of people. I mean, I don't know uh, the details of your other dynamics, but similarly to me, where the second I get vulnerable, I feel like you're mocking me. And the there's evidence to it right whatever you say I'm seeing it through the lens of me being mocked and then I'm dealing with you as if you're the person mocking me but you're not my mom but those interactions with my mom have permanently changed the lens through which I am experiencing like I equate what is that Pavlonian response I equate the feeling of vulnerability with immediately being mocked and I think maybe that is how it feels for you to lay down, you know, I think everybody who cares about people close to them eats their shit. Like, I think that's a pretty constant, regular thing in our lives where we don't say stuff. I think the people who do say something every single time, I don't like those people. People who are confrontational and pride themselves in being confrontational, I don't enjoy their company. I think they say a ton of shit that's like fucking unnecessary. And not just to me, but to other people. It's like, did you need to say that? You couldn't have worked that out in your head? And I'm not talking about big confrontations. Because I think we had a thing last week where like something had been bothering you and you brought it up. And, you know, it's going to be weird for a minute while we work through it. But, like, I'm glad you said something. I'm glad we got to, like, oh, hey, I was actually thinking this. I was thinking this. That's, like, a normal confrontation. But those people who say every shitty thing that crosses their mind, the moment that it crosses their mind, I don't think there's any value in that either. I don't enjoy overly confrontational people. I think it's really lazy to not do some processing before you let shit fall out of your mouth. I don't think those people are any better at confrontation. I think it's a, uh, like a defense mechanism on the other side. Yeah. I think it's selfish, you know, to say everything that pops yeah. in your head. Yeah. Uh, but I just don't, I still, I just don't see any rewards for being selfless. You know, I don't, uh, 
I feel like the selfish people get what they want. And I was going to say they're happier, but they're probably, I mean, like sad on the inside, but like they, I mean, I mean I'm not happy either. <laughs> and I would, I like the idea of getting what I want. And, uh, yeah. I, I feel know. like the bus driver, not being selfish person coming from a, a good no, place. Yeah. They're, 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 uh, Tabitha, you wouldn't win. You know, no, I wouldn't win. It's frustrating. She sent me an email this last week about wanting to be friends again. I just didn't respond to it. Just... <sighs> anyway, we got like two more episodes I want to record in the next only like we have like uh, an hour and a half left. Yeah, so and I'm about to pee on this. Wrap bed. this up. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry, it's such a, a sad ending, but you know. At least we got to talk about the Bagel Boss dream <laughs> in the beginning. We'll always have that. Anything that you want to plug, Jessa? No, I don't know when this is coming out. The usual. The follow usual. Us follow stuff. us. Come on to our Patreon. There's lots of good content there. We're doing live videos all the time. And uh, anyway, you, we'll see you guys next week on Mormon and the Meth Head. If you put a Mormon and a Meth Together, this is what they sound like. Aaron Woodall and Jessa Reed are friends. Listen to them talking to Mike. <clears throat> A podcast network.